Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. All right. Good morning. That's a good good morning. Nice job, guys. (laughs) All right. Well, my name is Taylor, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Valley Church, and I am so excited to be here with you guys today, as always. And today we are talking about one of my favorite topics, which is the next generation, but I'm the youth pastor, so maybe I'm biased. (laughs) But I am really excited to be diving into this today. And before we start, I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer, okay? This sermon is for everyone. So if you don't have kids, or you don't have teens, or maybe you don't even have, like, kids at all, this is still for you. All right, no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what journey you're going on, this is for you, because today we are talking about people. And when we talk about people, it should matter to all of us, because people matter to God. And so no matter where you are in your life journey, this can, you know, have an impact on you, and you can learn something from it. So no matter where you are, and also teenagers, children, if any children are in here. I think there's a couple. But teenagers and children, this is also for you because anyone younger than you is the next generation, so you can also have an impact and an influence, and so this is why this is so important. But I just wanted to say that ahead of time, just to like get that out of the way, that this is for everyone. Well, I love learning about uh, people. I love learning about generations. If you don't know this about me, I love psychology. I love kind of looking into why we do what we do and how we act and how we interact with each other. And so something that's really, really interesting to me is generations and like where they end and like where they begin because I think that's such a debated topic and I feel like I'm about to like cause some like problems because I feel like the next thing I'm about to bring up is going to cause some like conversations later. So we're going to look at generations really quick and where generations technically like begin and end. So there's, this is a hotly debated topic. Some people argue for different dates. This was done by the Pew Research Center, and these are some dates that are more regularly accepted by people for you know, when genera- certain generations begin and end. And it's, it's kind of hard to read, but I kind of wanted to give you a visual, but I'll, I'll read it off for you, don't worry. So in 1928, born in 1928 through 1945, you have the silent generation. Then uh, you have boomers born in 1946 and 19- through 1964, Gen X in 1965 through 1980, and then millennials 1981 to 1996, and then Gen Z, or actually known as iGen, iGen was their original name, Gen Z was kind of a nickname given to them for some reason, and it just stuck, so no one actually really calls them iGen, was born in 1997 to 2012, and then you have the next generation after 2012 that I think is Gen Alpha, and so that's currently coming up. Currently, I have only Generation Z in my youth ministry, but give me actually, I think, like two years, and I'm going to start having the next generation, which is kind of wild. But another fun fact that actually, I think it's a fun fact, but you actually might, might make you a little bit nervous, but I am actually a Gen Z, so you have a Gen Z taking care of you're Gen Z. That should make you a little nervous. <laughs> I was born in 97, and so I'm like right at the beginning. However, like some of you in here, you might be like, well, I don't really connect with like my generation technically. And that's okay, you know, it's a very broad subject. And I really don't have a generation either because I was born in 97. I'm too young to be accepted by the millennials. They don't really want me. And I'm too old to be accepted by the Gen Z, as my teenagers 
kindly remind me every once in a while. So I'm kind of like in the middle. Apparently there's a name for it. Apparently I'm called a zenial. So weird. So I'm in my own little world, my own little generation, but I think the generations are so cool and I wanted to bring this up ahead of time because even though today we're gonna be talking about specifically more of the younger, young adults, teenagers and kids, I really wanted to show you this super cool like aspect of generations and the fact that every single one of those generations up there has something to bring to the table. Every single generation has value. Every single generation we can learn from. Every single generation can learn from another generation, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are. And so even though this is what we're focusing on, I really wanted to give you a picture of the scope of what it means to like be the body of Christ and how mixed we are with, with generations and how cool that can actually be. And so remember that anyone younger than you is the next generation and therefore like it is important to pour into them. So as I said, today we're gonna focus more on young families and on teens and on kids, but we value everyone and everyone has value to bring to the table. So again, what is at our core? Well, at our core, we are about teens and kids and we love the next generation because we know that Jesus really, really cared about the next generation. He made that clear in the New Testament multiple times. Specifically in this one interesting story, he was talking to his disciples and he had a bunch of kids come around and he said to his disciples, therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That was really intense. <laughs> but he really cared about teaching the next generation, teaching children, teaching, you know, and, and also not just teaching them, but like looking to them. They, he thought that they had value, that they were important, that they, we could learn from them, he wouldn't tell us that we should be like them if we couldn't learn from them. And he thought that they were so important that he's like, look, don't cause one of them to stumble. He said the weight of the responsibility for what children became and the legacy that they leave is squarely on the shoulders of his followers. This is actually a pretty intense command. And you know, this is actually really supported by our current culture. And the Barna Research Group did a study and it said that 94% of decisions for Jesus are made at 18 years or younger. 94%, that's huge. I know I was in that percentage. I accepted Christ when I was at a young age and I know that most of my friends who are Christians also did. This doesn't apply to everyone, of course, because this is like a study that's done and so it's, it's, a, it's a broad spectrum. However, that is still a really large number for such a broad spectrum. And so Barnon goes on to say in this study, they go on to say that the spiritual identity and beliefs of a person are largely set in place as a child because whatever you learn as a child can go largely unchanged for the rest of your life. It is so important. If you want to make a lasting impact in the world, we need to invest in the young. If we want to change lives, we also need to invest in the young. And so what we need to focus on is, is how we can do this, because here's the problem. We can all kind of agree that the next generation is important. Rarely have I ever met anyone who is just like, no, they have no importance at all. I'm like, 
No, I've like never met anyone who said that. Now, you may be like, eh, I'm not really, I don't really get along with, you know, teenagers and kids and like young adults. That's okay. It doesn't mean that you always like get along or that you click. But I've never really, even those people, I've never met them and heard them say like, no, they're not important. Like, we can pretty much agree that the next generation is important. But here's the problem. While we can all agree on that, all of a sudden we come to this tension where we're like, yes, I agree, but I don't really know how. Because maybe you're in here and you're a parent and you're like, I really want my kid to love God and I want my kid to know God, but I, I just don't know what to do because I can't really like force them to, but I also really want to instill these practices in them. Or maybe you're not a parent in here and you're like, yeah, yeah, I think that it's really important that we pour into the next generation, but I don't really see how I fit into that because I'm not sure how much I can make an impact. And here's the deal. Today my goal is for us to really look at what it means to disciple the next generation and challenge us to see how we can and should be the hope, light, and love of God, even when we're unsure about the impact we can make. Because I feel like that's what holds a lot of us back. We're really not sure what difference we can make, we're really not sure how to do it, and so therefore we'd just rather not do anything at all. It's fear that can hold us back, because we're so afraid to, to mess up. But today, I wanna just knock that out of the park. I want us to focus on this concept of what we can actually do to make an impact. So. As always, in order to actually do that, let's go ahead and look at our Bibles because that is where we're going to find the answer. So if you could turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, that would be awesome in your Bible or maybe on your phone. While you're doing that, I'm going to give a little bit of context. So Deuteronomy is one of the first, it's the last of the first five books of the Bible, which is called the Pentateuch. So that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy was the last book in the Pentateuch in the Old Testament. This was written to the Israelite people. This consists of three sermons and two poems by Moses. So Moses was talking to the Israelite people, and he was, he was talking with them about what they can do before they enter the promised land. Now, the promised land was presented to them by God, and God was like, I'm going to give you this land of blessing, and as they would say, flowing with milk and honey. But then the Israelites kept messing up. <laughs> And the Israelites just kept turning against God, and so they had to wander around for many, many years. And so they finally get to the promised land, and Moses is like, look, I'm going to like tell you what to do so that you do not repeat the same mistakes that you did. Now, this is filled with thousands of people of all generations, generations, okay? This was very intergenerational. And Moses is like, hey, I want to tell you what you can do in order to continue to pass on this legacy. So we're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 6, and first we're going to read verses 1 through 4. So remember, Moses is talking to the people, and he says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing to the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that you may go well with you, that you may increase greatly the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the God, the Lord is one. Well, let's pause real quick. So Moses is kind of setting up the scene here. He's like, listen, I want to tell you guys what you need to do and what you need to, to practice and instill upon your children in order to continue passing this down. Because be careful to obey this. 
Because if you do, you're going to go into the promised land and you're going to receive blessings. So he's trying to help them receive blessings so that they can pass it down to their children so that then their children know how to fear the God in a healthy fear and awe and in respect. So that the ne next generation and the next generation knows who the Lord is. And he's like, listen, you've got to do this. If you see, it says, so that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping his decrees and commands so that you may enjoy a long life. This is about blessing. This is about sending off. And so he's talking to them and he's like setting this whole thing up where he's like, this is why I'm going to give you the commands. And then he goes into the how they give the commands. So pick it up at verse 5. Then he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses, and on your gates. So then, he goes, therefore, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So not only does Moses give them how they're supposed to, you know, have an attitude towards God, he's like, love him with your whole heart. That means your whole self. Not half self, not partial self, not something that's like, oh, it's like a second thought. It is your whole self. And he's like, love the Lord your God with your whole self. And then impress that attitude also upon your children. He says, put it as signs and symbols on your hands and on your foreheads and on gateposts and on door frames. This is talking about how they should not shy away from the commands that the Lord has for them and that they are called to live like. It wasn't just about teaching them rules. It was about showing them how to live by these commands, not only with their actions, but also with their hearts. And so this is what he's telling the Israelite people to do. He's like, listen, you need to have an attitude towards God, your whole heart, and then your actions also need to follow through, and you're going to impress this upon your children. This was key he wanted them to remember this because it was so important that they don't repeat the same mistakes that they did. I feel like we can all connect with that sometimes. We're like, please just don't repeat the same mistakes that I made. He's like, but it needs to be an attitude and an action. So then why does this matter and how does this connect with us? Because, yeah, yeah, yeah it was great for the Israelites. It makes sense. It applies to them, but that was over 2,000 years ago. And so how does this actually apply to us? What does this mean for us if we apply it to our life and figure out what does this mean for us impacting the next generation? I'll tell you the first thing that we can learn. First thing that we can learn is if we're going to be reaching the next generation, it has to start with our hearts. You know, I think that it's really, really interesting that Moses goes from, okay, listen to these commands, you need to pay attention, and I'm going to give you the commands, but then before he gives the commands, he goes, therefore, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. I think that that's fascinating. Maybe I'm just kind of nerding out about it. But I think that that's fascinating because I think that he, then he goes on to just list like all these commands and all these actions and things like that, but he starts with the heart. I'll be completely honest with you. Sometimes I can get so caught up in the to-dos in the, in the lists, in the rules, in the youth groups, in the Bible studies, in the projects, in the events, and things like that, that I can totally forget the big picture. 
And I think that for all of us, we can get caught up in the rules and regulations of being a good Christian and teaching the do's and don'ts to our children that so much that we forget that the person that they're actually looking into is us. Like, yes, those are so important. The do's and the don'ts and the rules and the commands and the things that he has to say are so important. He definitely emphasizes that afterwards. But he starts with the heart. He starts with the fact that they're looking at us and our heart. And I think that that's so interesting because why is it that immediately telling them, hey, pass down these commands, he starts with the heart. It's because I'll tell you what, you wanna impact the next generation? You better love the Lord. Because when you love God, when God is a priority, when he is first, when he is right there, when he is at the top, it is going to naturally flow into the other areas of your life. He is going to be the one to guide you. He is going to be the one to walk with you. He's going to be the one to give you the words to say. He's the one who's going to be there to show your love that just can be overwhelming. When God is given the power in our lives, it overflows with his love. We are called to love him so much that this is all that we teach, show, and model for others because it is going to be natural. It is not going to be something that we, like, that we need to just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I have to convince people that I love God. It is, if you love God, if you're going to be fighting after him, it is going to be evident. And I can tell you that growing up, the people I remembered most in church weren't always the people that helped in the youth ministry, but it was the people who I just saw on a regular basis and I saw their heart for God. I saw how they worshiped. I saw how they talked. I saw what they did on Sunday mornings and I saw them during the week when we would have activities and, and it was the love for God that actually inspired me the most. Because I think that everyone in here can pick out one person in their life that really has pushed them toward the Lord. And I want you to ask yourself, what was it about that person that really shined. And I think for a lot of us, it's going to be the fact that their love for God and God and their relationship with him just overflowed into everywhere in their life. Your heart for the Lord is what is going to have one of the most, be one of the most effective things in influencing your teens and kids and any generation younger than you. And I think that it can be confusing about how to, to communicate this. We don't know how to communicate this when the world is pulling us in so many different directions and it's really, really, uh, it's a mess and it's a lot and we're so busy and we're, we're pulled in so many different ways in our mind. But then when we focus on God and put him as a priority, it really shows. Because a transformed life will change people. We have the phrase, changed lives, change lives. This is not just a fun catchphrase that we like to put on t-shirts, even though, I mean, they do look really good on t-shirts. But... It is true, a changed life is going to change lives. There's nothing more powerful than watching someone's life totally transform. So my question to you is, where is your heart? Do you love the Lord? And how is that then influencing the rest of your life? How are you growing in that? And then once we address the heart, we can actually then move on to the next step, which is the outward expression of what comes from the heart which is about reaching the next generation through our actions. Moses says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now this is unique because obviously he's not 
literally talking about writing them on your hands and foreheads, even though, I'll be completely honest, I'm always looking for ways to embarrass my teens, and I think that it'd be really funny if I went to an event with the word Christian, like just like written in Sharpie on my forehead. I wonder if that would work. Either that or they're just going to join me. Sometimes it has the reverse effect. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that, but this, he's not really talking about this, okay? But he's talking about, you know, put them on your hands, on your foreheads, on the doorposts, and on the gateposts. Because he's talking about points of central awareness in our life. If you notice, I use my hands a lot. It's okay, I'm aware of it. But oftentimes when we talk, hands are going to be very noticeable. The forehead is very noticeable. Back then, the gateposts and the door frames were going to be, I mean, it's the first thing that you see when you step into the home when you walk and when you lie down. He's talking about the fact that teaching the commands of Jesus, walking with, you know, walking with God, teaching our children and the next generation what to do is something that doesn't just like, oh, well, I kind of mention it here and then like I kind of mention it a couple days later. And like, it should kind of be a constant part of our life to the point where it just becomes natural. Talking about him, walking with him. He's talking about aspects of our life that are very close to home. And I'm going to be honest with you. Impacting the next generation starts in the home. And when it cannot start in the home, it starts in the community. Because I'm not going to stand up here and say that every home is actually built to do this. It's okay. There are some homes that just aren't going to do this. But that means that we got to fill that gap and be that community that's needed. It starts in the home, and then the community is also meant to come and guide around to support to be there. It's not just hands off. He is talking about how to live where God should be the central spot of awareness. We are to put God in the center of our lives and show them and teach them to do the same by talking about him, walking with him, the highs, the lows. This includes the moments that you're not maybe always happy. This isn't just all like sunshine and roses and I never let them see when I'm really frustrated with God. Like, this is about just doing daily life and showing in your actions. Reaching the next generation means that we must be an action-oriented when it comes to living out our faith. This includes our conversations, our habits, and our lifestyles. This is not just about putting it on a shelf and dusting it off whenever we want to teach it or when we want to pull out the real rule book or tell someone what they're doing wrong. This is about how are you living we should be modeling and witnessing how God is moving and using what we have to provide environments and interactions with Christ. You know, I grew up in a pastor's house, so, I mean, my dad was a pastor my entire life. I was always at church, you know, every church, every Bible study, every youth group. I knew everything forwards and backwards. Dinner conversations always consisted of some sort of theological topic, I don't know. I was like that pastor's kid, I totally knew everything. I know everything. I don't. <laughs> I'll be the first to tell you that one. But like, I, it was, I was inundated with Christianity. I like to say that I was kind of born a Christian. Like, I made a choice to follow God at 11, but really, I had kind of been following him since I was born. And so I grew up in this household. But I have to tell you, do you know what the most impactful thing on my spiritual walk was? It was not every church service. It was not always youth group. It was not the Bible studies. It was not the homework. It was not the devotions. It was not all of that. As much as that had a huge impact, and that is very imp important. One of the things that had the biggest impact on my life was every morning when I would get up for school, 
I would get up and go down for breakfast, and nine times out of 10, unless I slept in late, I would find my mom doing her devotions at the kitchen table. And she wouldn't say anything, just kind of good morning, and then she would go back to doing what she was doing. She didn't make me sit down with her and do them with her. That was her private time. Yeah, we did family devotions, but that was her time with God. And it was every day my dad had off that I would see him in the living room or on the back porch doing devotions. And it was whenever they would ask me, hey, when was the last time you read your Bible? Hey, when was the last time you prayed to God? And this is not accusatory. I think that sometimes we can get so sensitive about that. We're afraid that if we ask someone, hey, when was the last time you read the Bible? People get all up in arms like, are you judging me? I I read my Bible. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like my parents weren't accusatory with this and we can ask this in a way that is not uh, mean. But it was a genuine interest. It was a genuine, hey, do you need help? Hey, would you like to like do this together? Do you need suggestions? But it was kind of that, habit that I would see them modeling for me that made the biggest impact because it showed me that it wasn't just talk. Whenever they told me about it, it wasn't just like, oh yeah, yeah, this is what you have to do. Like I literally saw them living it out. And this is what I'm talking about when I say like, we can't use the phrase anymore, do as I say, not as I do. That's a, I don't know why we've used that phrase in the past. But the next generation especially hates that phrase. Because it's not a fun thing when you're like, okay, so you don't live out what you actually believe. Like hypocrisy is one of the most disliked things of the current and next generation. Not living out what you believe. And so we can't just sit here and go, oh yeah, do all of this, but then not go and do it ourselves. And Moses is like, this is supposed to be a part of your lifestyle. This is supposed to be in the little things that you do. And this isn't just about in the houses. Like, yes, like I mentioned my parents, but this is, if you are just here at church, when you are at events, you may not have kids, but you influence those around you. An interesting fact is, actually, did you know that I'm pretty sure it's um, the boomer generation that can connect the most with this next generation that's coming up, Gen Z? I think that that's so interesting. And I think that that's beautiful. Don't ever think that you don't have an impact just because you may not be as young as you think you should be or maybe you're not in that part of life that you think you should be. You have an impact in your actions. And I want to kind of highlight on this because, yes, we talked about the heart. Now we've addressed the actions. But then you may still be sitting there and going, yeah, but I don't really know what difference I can make because maybe you're not called to like regularly be like a leader in the the children's ministry or in the teen ministry or maybe you're working with families. I want to kind of highlight that real quick. And I want to talk about um, what we like to call victory moments. So first of all, I'm going to brag about my leaders real quick. If you see a teen ministry leader, they're awesome, so please say thank you. They've been knocking it out of the park recently, and I absolutely think that they're amazing, and they love the kids, and they love the teens, and I think that Pastor Paula would agree with this because the people in the children's ministry are also phenomenal, and so we can do what we do because of their time and their effort and the love that they have for these kids. But we took a trip during the summer to Columbus, and we called it uh, the weekend of service. 
This was super cool. It was like a mini mission trip. So just for a weekend, we took some teenagers and we went to Columbus and we stayed at a church in downtown Columbus and we helped out at some uh, nonprofit organizations down there. And this was a super awesome opportunity. And the teens also, I was so impressed with the teens. If you know any teens in this picture, ask them about the trip. Um, they did a great job. They took the trip seriously. They took God seriously during it and they just made like a huge impact. But there was um, a place that we were helping out at called Jordan's Crossing. And we were packaging food. We were, you know, helping clean out a fridge, the two fridges that they had. That fridge was like pristine condition afterwards. I was like really impressed with the teens who worked on that. <laughs> and like they helped package food and they helped package different like um, goodie bags for people. And it, they just did an amazing job. So we ate lunch, and then after lunch, we were kind of helping out with a few more things, but we were winding down. And the lady who owns the organization, she came to me, and she was like, hey, I'm sorry to do this, and if you don't have time, that's totally fine, but I just got a call, and we just got a whole truckload of bananas that's like across town. And it wasn't supposed to come in for a couple more days. Would you guys be willing to help us move it? Because the only people they had to move it was like a truck, and like one truck, and just like two guys. And there was like apparently a lot of bananas. I, I didn't know like what a truckload meant, like a semi or whatever. And so I was like, oh yeah, sure. Just take our van, take the Valley bus, like go ahead. And we sent some teens with them and I stayed back with a couple teens. Well, they go and they unload, they get these bananas and they bring these bananas back. And I'm like walking in and I'm like, hey guys, welcome back. And they're like unloading these bananas. And I'm just like staring. And you know, when she said like, we just have a truckload of bananas, I kind of just thought like, it was some crates of bananas. Oh my goodness. There were over 8,400 bananas. It was over 2,000 pounds of bananas. Like, it was ridiculous. They put like all of these bananas in the back of this like the Valley Church van and in the truck and there were even more bananas left. Like they didn't even get them all like that day. It was crazy. And it was so fun to just like watch all these teenagers like they were counting the bananas and they were like betting on how much would like act, how many bananas would actually be there. And it was just super, super cool to see. And the lady came up to me and she's like, thank you so much because if you guys hadn't been here, like in, it was supposed to come in a couple days and so we didn't really have the help that we needed and you know, bananas can go bad pretty quick. And so she's like, because you guys were here, we were able to like get everything and unload everything. And I was like, yeah, no problem, that's awesome. But then I would consider the victory moment actually happened like a little bit afterwards. So as we were walking around, I noticed that the leaders would be talking to the teens. And I think maybe in the rest of the world we would call this uh, lucky or coincidence or ironic. But we know that in at least church world, there is no such thing as a coincidence um, or luck. You know, God is always moving. And I noticed that as they were having conversations, the teens would be like, that was so cool that we were able to do that. And the leaders would go, hey, you know, that isn't just a coincidence. Like, God actually used you guys. Like, God put you in this place for a reason. Like, God put you in this position. And yeah, it kind of seems a little silly because it was just unloading a ton of bananas. But like, it made a big impact because that was uh, not a small amount of bananas. And that was a, a big job. And you were able to help them out because God put you in that position. And all of a sudden, you start like, seeing like the light bulbs go on. And you start, there's nothing cooler than seeing a moment when a teen or a kid kinda, or really anyone, but specifically that, like clicks with God. Where they just go, oh my goodness, you're right. I was used by God. Like that's just, it's, you can't really describe it. 
And so that's what we call victory moments. But I have to tell you, that never would have happened if the leaders who were there hadn't already, A, been showing with their actions what it means to serve, or B, been talking to them, and just in conversation, drawing the attention back to God. Drawing the center point of awareness back to God. Let it be conversation as you are walking, as you are sitting, as you are lying down. That's a victory. And I have to say, no matter what you do, when you intentionally pour into the next generation, you are going to see things happen. You are going to witness victories, you are gonna witness losses. You are going to witness hurt, and you're also gonna witness healing. And that's any generation, that's any person, okay? So this isn't just specific, but since we're talking today about the next gen, when you do this, you will see victories. And you may be like, yeah, that is awesome. But once again, I'm not really, don't really wanna work maybe with in there or in the children's ministry or something, and I don't really feel called to that. That's okay. But the people who donated the food for that trip, thank you, by the way, the people who helped out with prayer, the people who were invested in just some structuring and some administrative parts of that trip, they also share in that victory. When you donate your skills, your time, your talents, your money, any attention, you share in those victories. This is not just because, you know, the leaders that were there are key, but it was, the trip was also only made possible by the people who helped support that trip, who helped make that trip happen. You share in those victories. You share in those discipleship moments. And change is made possible by the people who help out tear down and set up for events, by the people who help put out food, by the people who help their, with, their, you know, with their money for camp so the kids can go to camp. It is when you talk to young families, when you invest in another person, you will see results. And, and part of this, something that everyone can do, is honestly prayer. Like, we would be happy to have prayer partners. I would happily send out, like, every other week prayer requests. And I'm sure that Pastor Paula would also agree with this. We're like, if you want to just specifically pray, that is investing in the next generation. Don't discount yourself just because you're not quite sure how. You just haven't really maybe figured out exactly how God has designed you to do it, to just pour into people. So the question then stands, how can I take how God has made me to use, use that to disciple and impact the next generation. Maybe your family needs to bring God to the center of the house. Maybe it's helping kids, helping out with the kids or teens ministry. Maybe it's donating your time and skills for events. Maybe it's mentoring a young family. Maybe it's mentoring a, a, you know, a, a new dad or a new mom. Maybe it's just walking through an eight-week study with a teen or a kid or a young adult. Maybe it's just praying. But here's the deal. Moses knew that it takes consistent and intentional time and care. And maybe you want to be deli start deliberately praying for the next generation. But it's just about consistency and intentionality. And this is actually kind of perfect timing because the next series we're going to talk about how we're shaped, how we're built, how we're, how we're gifted by God to be used. And so this is kind of perfect timing because you're going into an opportunity where you can figure out how you can best further the kingdom of God, no matter what that looks like, no matter where that looks like here in the church, no matter where that looks like out there in the community, in the home, with your friends. 
You can find out how God has specifically gifted and used you and then be open to whatever he's calling you to do. And don't let fear hold you back. Because if he's actually gifted and called you to that, he's going to actually fulfill what he promised. And here's the thing, no one else is going to do this except us. We can't sit around and just kind of wait for someone else to to do something. Take an initiative, doing what we know God laid on our heart. That's what's important. And so we are a next generation focused church because we know that like Moses and the Israelites, it is important to pass down all that God has done in our lives, how we're called and to love them in the way that continues to to grow the kingdom of God because ultimately that is the end goal. We are called to make disciples and disciples includes all generations. And so how can you take what God gave you, how can you take what God made you to do to pay attention to where it's needed? Pay attention to where you can get plugged in. Pay attention when there is a need. Go ahead and go fill it. And so that's the challenge that I want to leave you guys with today as we kind of move on and as we move out of here. All right, let's just pray. God, I want to thank you so much for today. I want to thank you for the opportunity that we have just to be here, that we have to just uh, walk in in your word and walk in who you are. God, we just want to uh, lift up everyone around us um, of all generations, but we just want to specifically right now lift up the next generation that you are just moving in them, that you are using them to create an impact as you already have, um, that you're using us to see uh, moments where you are able to be uh, the central spot of awareness, that you are moving on our hearts and that we are putting you first, that you are our priority, God, and that that is flowing into our actions. We just love you so much, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.